The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. Well, that's, I guess, yeah, that makes you skate punk street cred. Yeah, Rodney Mullins. Just tell everybody, Rod, Mullen. Rodney Mullins, your cousin. I, I, used to, I used to drop that back in, uh, back in elementary school, back in the day, during yeah. Tony Hawk. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, that's me, oh, dude. Yeah. That's oh, like yeah. Rodney Mullen would probably be your grandpa, though. He's <laughs> old, man. Dude, What's he, 60 now? He's old. Like, no. Rodney Mullen? 60? I don't know. Listen, I saw a picture of Johnny Knoxville recently, and he looks old as hell. That's, oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Have you seen him, like, on Facebook? That is that is not being old. That's a, a, a <laughs> history of about 10 to 15, maybe 20 years of being completely awful to your body. Just drugs, alcohol, and straight-up physical abuse. Yeah. I, listen, so much credit. Every time I watch Jackass, what is it, number two with the rocket? Dude, where it shoots uh, off and it's like you, you dude almost died like he's yeah. oh the because it shot out the side yeah. like the big metal part or something yeah because everything oh, well. he's done is really dumb didn't he, he almost die in the golf cart flip in the first yeah. one <laughs> he like jettisoned through the front of it and like it just could have crushed him the, the yeah. uh putt putt derby yeah <laughs> the golf carts <laughs> what if what if these were all like really, really like high level riggings and that we're all just made to believe that he almost died, but really it was like really well put together stunt and we're all just gullible. I mean, some of those guys are dead. Oh, yeah, you didn't see the stunt double switch in <laughs> between it? There is a guy who looks like Johnny Knoxville who's dead right now. Probably, probably in the whole history of America. No, I mean, he died from being Johnny Knoxville's stunt double. Oh. I wouldn't okay. doubt it. I wouldn't doubt it. All right, guys. Um, let's get into this. Sweet. Oh boy. We're just getting into it. Well, let's get into the actual, some good content. Jackass is always fun. I'll probably keep this in. It'll be fun. But uh, all right, guys. Unconventional welcome, uh, divers and Mullenites, everyone listening in, tuning in. If you're watching this visually, as you can see, it's not just my uh, pretty face. Uh, and by the looks of my guests, if you are watching in, they don't look that skyish at all. So... <laughs> Guess what? Yeah. There's a bit of a there's there's some small ska references that are gonna come out, but these guys look punk as fuck, and they look like some <laughs> buffalo natives. And before oh, I oh, just yeah. bring them up and just say who they are, I mean, you could obviously look ahead, look at the title of the episode, you'll see what band we're talking to. But I always love to do this big, nice break in, and I want to let you all know. On oh wait, I almost dropped the name offhand. <laughs> this band, I was uh, reached out. Unfortunately, I've never heard of them until they reached out to me. And I'm like, all right, local Buffalo guys, I'll give them a shot. They're punk. Fuck yeah, let's check it out. And I wasn't expecting it. When I clicked play on, what was the, intro, the opening song? Uh, I have that up. When I clicked play on Lifeline, I was not expecting for what I received. And what it was, was a chaotic punch in the face with some hardcore melodic leads ripping over some fucker screaming 
And then <laughs> having this guttural growl. So like there's some screams and then the growls and then there's some hardcore fuck yeah adrenaline that just got me pumped up. And to, to my knowledge, from all the bands I've seen in Buffalo, the only one that has done this for me so far mm-hmm. is the guest on the cinder. Guys, thank you so much. That's a great intro. Thank you. Thanks, it worked. <laughs> we I got tried warm. myself. Yeah. Thanks for having us. <laughs> no problem. Thank you so much, guys, for calling in, calling in. Uh, so I always want to kind of start off and kind of go a little bit of how the band come together and how did uh, – how did this, how did this come to be? It's a three-piece punk band. You guys are based out of Buffalo. Are you all Buffalo native? Not technically. Um, no? I'm, I'm originally from Syracuse, and Mike here is from Rochester. Um, oh. So we're upstate slash western New York natives, but um, we, we just, went to college together. Yeah, we just run down the 90, Syracuse, yeah. Rochester. And Ty, I'm Ty's actually from Buffalo. From Buffalo. Okay. You can't so, tell by his voice. Yeah. <laughs> they picked you up at the end. They're like, all right, I guess we better stop here. That's, that's, yeah, we pretty much stopped and found a practice space. So you guys said uh, you all went to college together. Where'd you guys go and where'd you guys meet then? How'd that happen? If you don't mind. Oh, boy. <laughs> we were all roommates. It was just kind of serendipitous that we just all had this group of friends. I think mm-hmm. we were five of us in the first house like five or six it was a loose number yeah jay, uh, jay was living in the attic I, I was literally a troll in the attic they i didn't have a place to live and they were like well i don't have any bedrooms left but we do have an attic technically yeah. and I, I, was, I just slept on the couch ty, for the first yeah year. ty slept on the couch um <laughs> it was kind of an ambiguous amount of living situation but uh we all got out of former ska bands um and i know you love ska so love we ska. Have to, so what, what were the bands that i've that you guys were from um tyler and i were so we all met at ub okay. and then we lived at the flower house which is ub south campus okay and um tyler and i were in a band called the stakeouts who were technically from rochester but we sort of moved everything to buffalo uh and jay was in a oh boy band. i was i was in this uh, band called fleet street um and how long have you been into ska is a better question. I've been into ska since about 20, no, 2009. But okay. my local knowledge of ska bands didn't grow until a little bit after high school. All right. And it kind of right. dipped out. So, yeah. So I grew up, I grew up in Syracuse and we had a, a buttload of ska. And a few of my ska based friends uh, ended up also moving to Buffalo on like similar college sort of venture. Mm-hmm. Uh, we played in a band called Fleet Street. Okay. Uh, like like a Sweeney Todd sort of. We had we did not play Sweeney Todd covers. Don't get me wrong. It was more of a, you know, homage. But uh, we did play a lot of really cheesy songs. So did you guys come out dressed out dressed up like all of you dressed up like Johnny Depp from Sweeney Todd? Was uh, that? You, we honestly, it might have been better if we had. But uh, <laughs> we uh, we I know that we started. So we we got like a local cover uh, recurring like bar gig where we would play open and close every set with final countdown <laughs> okay. um, we were like a we were like a rock band with horns more than a ska band they were cooler than he's giving them credit no, for like I, that's that's how we got to know jay because we would go see his band play at mr good bar mm-hmm. and like yeah just yep. still ska i think it was fun that's okay fun, but Managing managing a band of nine to eleven to thirteen people can be tough. That can be tough, man. I mean, uh, 
I don't know. You said it's not really ska. You're Mike. You're kind of saying it is a little bit of ska. I don't know. I've heard the term. I think Ricky Coates coined it. It was a ska adjacent. I heard someone call Ricky, it. Oh, Ricky, Ricky Coates. Coates. Oh my god. Is a name I have not heard in a long time. <laughs> wow. Man, <laughs> that's, that's an Obi Wan Kenobi moment right there. Damn. Good old. Hey, if listening, if you're listening, Ricky, if listening, um, cheers to you, buddy. I haven't seen the hot minute. What was the ska band he played in before oh, Lightning Killed said, My Parents? Oh, oh. No, no, before AKS, guys. Domino yeah, Killer uh, Snowman. Yes. Listen, oh okay. Yeah. All right. So I, I, let me tell you guys something. AKS, yeah. my high school ska band. Not oh. mine. They were the seniors when I was like freshmen. So that was, what, that was what I looked up to. Mm-hmm. Back in Everybody's high school. got one. Your high school is only allowed one ska band per school. Because mm-hmm. well, everyone's in that one ska band. <laughs> yeah, all 13 like, people. Like, there's, not, there's not two separate groups of 13 people that can create bands. <laughs> oh, no. Or, I mean, the best way I think it is, are you going to find that many people in the band department that would do would do uh do bands like no. Yeah. No. you you got the people that wanted to play Scott. That was it. Yeah. Scott bands Scott bands are always a conglomerate of uh so guys who like kind of half learned to play guitar a little bit. And that was, that was <laughs> um and then like a lot of like they're 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 like loose friends who play in band who play horns who are like they don't really know them that well. And the people who are playing the horns are not really that interested in playing in a like ska punk band. Yeah. But everybody kind of comes together in a way that's loosely works for a little while. Mm-hmm. Uh, did yeah. you go to the Lightning Killed My Parents reunion show? Yes, I did. Oh. I was also there because I was, I, I was there for both them and Do It With Malice. I, oh. I, so that, that was, was my awesome. first time seeing Do It With Malice, that show, actually. I, yeah, that was their wasn't it? Yeah, you'll you, probably never see them again. I was, like, they I all was gonna say, all we, over the place. I, I'm in like a fantasy baseball league with Deli, Chris Delmont, their guitar player and <laughs> and frontman, and I've been just yeah, just yeah. They like bothering the hell out of him to be like, "Hey, man, on the center wants to play with Dude with Malice," and he's like, "We need a saxophone player." I'm like, "So go get one." <laughs> oh, Tom Kramer moved to like. Maryland or somewhere. From from what I've gathered, the the rage and demand for Buffalo for Do It With Malice, if they reached out and were like, hey, who could play sax? I'm pretty sure someone would step up. So you're actually, you're looking, you're looking at our our studio here. Yeah. But um, if uh, I actually did some tracks in here for Do It With Malice where they laid down a bunch of demos of like really gnarly, like kind of hardcore songs, but Mm -hmm. it was only like guitar and drums and bass. And I was like, is this all you guys are doing? And they're like, yeah, this is just so we can deliver it to like potential horn players so that we can uh, hopefully find somebody to play with us. Interesting. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, we got some really awesome songs that had no vocals or horn parts, but man, they were really cool. Sweet. I'll have to see if we could uh, get a little sample of those one of these, one of these times. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. So uh, let's go back to this. So you guys all were in Sky Bay. You guys were kind of all from your own... Uh, backgrounds of mike and tyler you guys were in a band uh jay is it jay or jason what do you it doesn't go matter both, both are fine okay i'm gonna go with jason uh cool. you guys were you you kind of had two bands and where did it come by where you're with the three of you were like hey what buffalo needs is a three-piece punk <laughs> melodic hardcore like how did that happen because the jump buffalo- from ska and like a 13-piece band down to three 
I mean, that's that, a significant that shrink. Right. <laughs> we were, I think that we all, it, so the bands all sort of broke up serendipitously at the same mm-hmm. time. Two serendipitous references. But, but most okay. most of the whole thing was because uh, me and Mike actually formed a very very short lived ska band afterwards, and then we were like, I am never playing with more than five people ever again. It was called Mike and Tyler and the uh, Penis. Uh, I'm right. I'm done. What was that? Uncommonly <laughs> smooth. Yeah. Oh, uh, named oh. after the Red Dog slogan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so while we were all living together. Uh, mm-hmm. Jay and I were just talking about doing a side thing. We're like, let's do some acoustic guitars. Yeah. We were really into Frank Turner at that point and still are, but, um, turns out we suck yeah, really bad. Yeah. yeah. I remember I ordered a mandolin for a more like acoustic project and, uh, the mandolin got put on back order. So it, it never arrived. Meanwhile, Tyler was sitting around. We're like, why don't we just put a yeah, to this? I, I had no gig. So I went, hey, you guys want a drummer? <laughs> yeah. So we were like, we're going to do like acoustic guitars with drums. And we're like, wow, we sound like shit. Did we ever get to acoustic? I don't think we did. No, we, it was, yeah, it was pretty, it was acoustic guitar. With, anyway, long story short, we sound like shit. So we're like, we know how to play punk rock. Let's just play it without horns. And, okay. uh, uh, and then we became this sort of like semi-technical uh, three-piece band, like as, as technical as a three-piece band can be, which is not, they're kind of in the middle. Well, I, I'm going to say at first when I was just uh, talking with you, Mike, before I like actually like looked at, like looked into the rest of you guys, the minute I, the minute you reached out, I was like, all right, cool. First thing I do, go right to iTunes, hit play, download, just instantly. I want to listen. I want to get a good, a good first impression. And I, I was impressed. For one, you guys are a local band, and, and not in a, and I, I, I want to preface it, not in a, I hope it doesn't come out wrong when I say this, is that not every song sounds, holy shit, they're not local. There is still this authentic originality where you're like, no, fuck yeah, this is Buffalo, and these are guys that have real feelings, and they're telling you how it is. And there's this, like... It's not everything's perfectly polished and that's good. It's punk. It feels it. It feels real. Like I feel like I, that's how some of these songs would sound when at Mohawk and some of your live, the the live videos I've listened to. It's awesome. And I wouldn't have known that it was a three piece band. You guys sound amazing. It sounds intricate. And like I was hearing inspiration. Like I was pulling instantly. I'm like, wow, this is definitely something I'm going to hear at Warp Tour. The, uh, the melodic, the lead. It's just crazy. And I, I don't listen to punk as much as I used to. And the punk I do doesn't have wicked melodics going through. And I'm blowing me away. So wow. your intricacy yeah. for being a three-piece, I'm highly impressed. And really, like anyone that is listening, if you haven't yet, I hope you guys would have. But if you haven't yet, please check them out to hear this. You guys got to hear this. Oh, um, that's, that's probably the best compliment we've ever gotten. Uh, <laughs> we... Uh, we figure that between the two, between Mike and I, we're one functional singer. Yeah. Um, and Tyler is really the backbone of, of basically being like some kind of crazy machine program drummer. Yes. And we, just, we pretty much piggyback off him. It's, honestly, we're really awful at our instruments, but <laughs> he, he's good and it makes us sound less bad. Yeah. I think drums are really the most important part of a band. Drums mm-hmm. have so much to do with tone of the band. Like 
it keeps everything together and it it really sets the precedent for just the level of uh not professionalism but just the most i think it it the just the talent like yes. the drums carry so much of the talent of a whole band well, like, like if I, I i think it was buddy rich who said that uh, a great band with an average drummer is an average band, but a bad band with a good drummer is a great band. <laughs> <laughs> like I can hear that. I can take that. And it's not. It's, well, no, it's uh, and it's not the sense that you carry the band as a drummer, or not even just you specifically, or the band, the drummer carries the band, but uh, it uh, is. The drummer that keeps the, you hold the drummer holds it together, and when you're playing some aggressive thrash, you need to be able to have someone that can contain it, so the rest of the band doesn't go out of control on it. If Mike or I play a wrong note, it probably will go under the radar. Mm-hmm. If Tyler fucks up, it's going to be really awful. <laughs> that, yeah, it rarely happens. Rarely ever. He's got to be drunk or completely distracted or. Someone has to throw a shoe at him or something. We we actually early, all happened. Yeah. <laughs> early in our career, we had Tyler have a set. I think he broke he broke eight sticks in a set. Oh, I didn't I didn't break them. I threw them. We threw them because it was five dollar pitcher night at Broadway. <laughs> 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 oh was, my god, that's a name. I, that's a place I haven't heard of in forever. Yeah, you uh, want R.I.P. It's for the best. You want you guys want to invest? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I don't know. So after the set that Tyler went through eight sticks, I was like, guys, it was a pretty good set. Mm-hmm. And he was like, uh, yeah, I, I guess I lost eight separate sticks in separate occasions. And I was like, oh, all right. Well, I still thought it was pretty good. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they can uh, basically, I think the gist of this whole, the whole bit is that you got a solid drummer. You're in a lot better shape uh, rather than having, you know, your backbones in place. Oh yeah, definitely. And uh, I'll tell you, you guys have a fucking solid drummer. You do. Thank you. I think so. You do um, I held on to him for like eleven years. That's true. We've been playing music for fucking. Shh, you're totally, You're telling him how old we are. We're eleven mega years. Oh, all right. So, uh, well, the band, the band started in 2013. Okay. So the and, band kicks off in 2013. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. We took how three- soon did you guys start writing original material to put something out? Because oh. it looked. Uh, I saw it's uh, 2016 is when. Um, oh boy, it did not take us three years. We had 2016 a was a fight against ourselves oh, yeah. dropping. Okay, so, so that was actually the second release. Um, if you really dig deep, and I don't encourage this at all, <laughs> um, but if you really dig deep, there are some uh, releases before that that we did like kind of like home demos. Um, that we still, well, I don't say we play those songs, but we certainly, they definitely exist. Um, and I think 2013, probably 2014, we released probably a five-song EP that, that we have probably didn't see a lot of attention, which is probably for the best. Um, and then probably later that same year, uh, we went, we took seven songs on tour for like nine days uh, because we were dumb. We just wanted to go play. So, well, <laughs> no, no so- there's nothing dumb with that. I mean, that's... Well, isn't that what everyone does? The minute you get a band together, the minute you could find someone or a group of people together, first thing you do is you want to put songs together and then either put out a CD or a vinyl, which you guys have, which I would love to, I want to get into. And after you have music to put out, you want to go and play it. 
So if you guys went on a tour, where was the first tour? Uh, was it something local or was it like the Northeast? New yeah. England. The bounced yeah. around like Boston and we used like all the old contacts we had from previous projects. And I think we did like nine days. Uh, but we've, we've been touring pretty consistently over the years. Like uh, probably the worst tour as in the longest was like seven weeks. Oh my we didn't gosh. even get past. We didn't even get past Texas. It think. wasn't the worst, <laughs> but it could have been orchestrated in a more in a way that was more intelligent. We were just ready to hit the road, and I I, I do wonder how many shows we played at this. We point. played a butt. Oh, we're we're probably in a thousand range. How how often do you guys when you're uh, pre COVID? How how frequent are you guys out and around touring? Is it a is it kind of like a side job, or are you guys? Is this the full time for you guys? I think all musicians are kind of stuck being side jobs just because of the way the industry and the way yeah. to actually make money. But we were really consistently doing um, a Southern tour in January and February, which would go to Texas and Florida. We did that for like three years. We did Texas and Southern California. So well, we've done two years of the what I refer to as the Southwest passage where you go to California through, through going to Texas and Arizona, New Mexico. Uh, we did one year of the Northeast or the Northwest passage. That was rough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was a 19 hour drive in there from uh, Colorado to Seattle, Washington. And oh somewhere in the middle of that drive, we lost our brake lines. I um, was driving for that. I remember exactly <laughs> what it was. Oh no. Somewhere um, in Utah, it wasn't. It wasn't good. But um, it was in. I got really drunk after that Utah. Yeah, so uh, we've been we've been out and about. We, we we usually do about three to four months out of the year in tour. That's not bad. That's actually pretty. That's really good. I like that. Um, it's cool to hear that. Where it's not just I'm a local band and we just you know we play a show here or there once every couple of weeks. It's like nope, you guys are active and uh, playing. I, I'm sorry to ask this, but before. Before COVID hit, what were you guys currently doing? Were you planning anything through here? Or were you guys currently in the middle of uh, getting ready to play shows? So we did get our early tour in this year, which was nice. So we did. We've been through Florida, uh, Texas, and California and back. So that was, I think, four weeks, three weeks, maybe. Four weeks. And um, so we're lucky we got that in because a lot of bands don't usually tour until the spring or the summertime Mm -hmm. so it was nice to get that in and now we're kind of just sitting on our hands writing a lot and we want to tour it's just when it's safe you know Mm -hmm. not not just not just here but everywhere we we lost um uh we we lost a new idea which is kind of the biggest bummer about the whole thing is that usually we would do like a spring summer-ish tour that would be a little bit shorter and we would do something that's like the Northeast, the, the new England area, maybe back down to Florida or Texas and then come back. Uh, Cause ever like once you start getting West of that, the drives get a lot longer and the commitment becomes much bigger. But these are like, these are markets that we can hit pretty frequently. Like I think the last time that we did the, the short run was like two and a half weeks or something, mm-hmm. but, yeah. but it's really convenient cause we still get to go hit all these big important places. Uh, and we were coming up with this strategy to basically try to, instead of doing 
two and a half weeks straight, we were going to do basically a, a week and a half in a straight line and back, and then just do that three times so that we could so that we could get more and more like so we could actually get more time in while also not going completely broke. That's pretty cool. Something different. I haven't heard of that from any bands. It's something different. Are you guys thinking about still trying to do that then next year, assuming it's maybe we we ended up the only things we've canceled, we had a hold at Mohawk Place for like a Friday night and we just we just felt like it wasn't safe to do that right now. It was in July. Yeah. And we had the hold for like six months before that. Just I asked the booking agent like the first Friday he could give us and he's like it was December and he's like, I got something in July and we we're like, take it. But then this whole pandemic happened. So yeah. we had to cancel that. We also, that was, we had New England booked. We did right. some, we, had, we, yeah, we basically canceled two tours. We, we canceled oh. two tours so far. Well, listen, and some guys, festival stuff. listen, I want to let all the divers, all the Mullenites listening, watching and tuning in. Uh, these guys kick ass. They rock your fucking ears off. Uh, as you just heard them say, man, they had to put two tours pretty much on hold. And right now they're not out doing that, making the merch sales at those tours because they do so well. And we're going to do a quick plug in that. If you haven't yet, help support the band, help them out. Go to their, uh, they have a shop. We'll drop the, link, the links out. Go pick up the vinyl. It is beautiful. I don't believe all the vinyls are white. I got a, sw- a sick white oh, vinyl. You- Mike, Mike, Mike just, Mike just gave you the white. That's because I like white. He picked it. We have multiple colors. Multiple Mike colors. The, I, th- I think I, I think white one. looks pure. White is pure and clean, like his virgin bottle. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> I'm drinking since the beginning of practice today. Sorry. <laughs> it's, no, no, no. Vinyl uh, Divers is a good show for that. Uh, other oh, yeah. shows. Not so much. Um, but listen, divers, Mullenites, uh, we're not done yet here. But if you're, but if you're able to help them out, head on over to those shops. The links are going to be below or in the description. Head on over, picked up the vinyl. I think uh, Lamplighter is fifteen, or is it twelve dollars? Yeah. yeah, it's like 15? twelve and twelve and shipping. I think it's fifteen around. Go pick it up. Uh, you get actually get both their vinyls on their website, and uh, we're going to push those and promote those at the end again. But right now, if you know, if you're able to and you're watching this. Hell, click over, add a new tab, and I don't know. Go fucking go buy it while they're here. Nope. Uh, yeah. No. Yeah. We will. Uh, we will send. Honestly, we will send the personalized note if you choose to buy it. We will. Um. We will. We appreciate any support. Um. Uh. We got some new projects in the works, so we might. Uh. We might throw some like sneak peek stuff in your in your uh, package. That'd be fun. Hell yeah, guys. Yeah, you guys like you guys like the swag packs. Go out, support them, and uh, keep listening. So, <laughs> yeah, actually, um, oh, what's this, up? Is, this week is the one year anniversary of Lamplighter coming out, and um, yeah, we're we're gonna do a sale of the vinyl, it's like 10% off right now. We waived our fees on our store envy page, um, and then we're gonna do a package. Uh, since winter's coming, we're gonna have like a winter cap dealio with a cute see, little beanie you ever see uh south park you know oh, the, yeah. little, the little pom-poms be oh yeah the stand we're doing pom-pom yeah. hats um i like, like it's it. not cool but it's cool oh no it's cool guys everyone <laughs> when those things drop we want to sell them out we'll sell that shit out on them at least one um oh i know i'll be grabbing one for sure 
Uh, so, so we're definitely gonna sell one. I hope so. <laughs> so Anthony, should should we pick your brain, or would you rather interview us? So I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna pick your brain and interview you, interview you guys. And I want to ask. Uh, we mentioned the vinyl, and I want to go into that. So what is the process for you guys to? transfer your music over into that because it's a big step especially um, for local groups i mean i remember growing up going to shows seeing a lot of cds and you know download codes or merch codes and stuff like that but only recently am i starting to see more local bands are putting their putting their music onto wax and putting it out there because you know it's oh. coming back and it's it brought there's a huge revival that i don't know i think it so, kicked off five or something years ago so, so um vinyl you can debate it all day, but honestly, if you get a, a well-done vinyl record, it's the quality, the the music quality, the sound quality is as it is the best you can get. Mm-hmm. Now, um, to get your music onto vinyl doesn't take a lot of technology or anything. It's just a lot of money because putting anything on vinyl is like first of all, there's only a handful of places that do it anymore. Really, and and um, like, they don't do it cheap. Like I think it's. I think there's eight pressing plants in the whole United States. Yeah, there's probably like there's uh you're looking at I think the the only reasonable price point to do it at like per unit you got to do three hundred or more. And, okay. And you're still looking at about a three thousand dollar investment. And uh, which uh, it might be a little less than that, but realistically, if you're not gonna sell that many, you know, you're it really doesn't make sense to do vinyl if yeah it's a, it's a lot of money it's a, it's a mm-hmm. huge investment and you're hoping on like a decent return you may or may not get it um we were really fortunate to run into somebody on the road while we were touring who wanted to start his own vinyl record label and was willing to do it with a high risk uh with, with a high risk thinking that you know we he would pay for the money or he would pay mm-hmm. for the vinyl and we would somehow pay him back in sales and believe it or not we managed to sell a seven inch that he put out for us that was i have no idea how much it originally cost but it was probably above a thousand dollars and uh yeah we we managed to push it and managed to sell it and he put out our second record because we managed to pay off the first one he was like okay well i guess you guys are cool and that's pretty um, cool yeah, and yeah. then the when it came to this record, Lamplighter, he was like, "Guys, I love you guys, but I'm out of money." <laughs> <laughs> so we were we were paying him back. Okay. Not that, I, like being in a band is all about accruing debt, and we and not paying it off. So we we <laughs> paid off our seven inch. We made money on that on tour. We paid off our full length, uh, the fight against ourselves, and uh, yeah, when. We asked the label about putting out the next record. He's like, well, I've put out these other records and I'm kind of just sitting on a lot of material right now. I can't really invest in that. So I did like pretty much what every other punk rock label does. Ask go dad. ask your dad. <laughs> and <laughs> so my dad helped uh, pitch in for the pressing of the out, record. It turns out dads have $5,000 laying around. It, Every dad has like a $5,000 cash just laying around. It was, so have you ever heard of Epitaph Records? Oh yeah. Epitaph Records is Brett Gerwitz. He asked his dad. That's how he got started. Fat Wreck? Fat Wreck. Fat he Mike, asked his dad? Fat <laughs> Mike asked his dad for stuff. And now Flowerhouse mm-hmm. Records. Uh, 
I I think I think my dad ponied up two grand. That's all we needed, and we've we made so back. close to paying him back. We're right there. Yeah. <laughs> well, we spent it on hats instead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so just anything about putting out a vinyl record is expense, and you got to be ready to be on the road to sell it. And that's that's really the big thing I think is that because like we said the 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 only price point that makes any sense at all is like 300 records. So yeah. it's a, that, that big upfront investment. But if you can get to the second pressing, if you can, if you can blow out those 300 records, the second time that you do that is dirt cheap. Yeah. You just got like $3 a record. After you gotta, that. you gotta find 300 people that really like vinyl. So far we know you. <laughs> Listen, divers, everyone out there, I, I pull in a pretty good chunk of listeners. Y'all subscribe in. Let's hit. Let's hit, let's let them. Uh, let's get them to hit that mark. We want to see a second pressing. <laughs> well, how, the one year anniversary come up. We want a second pressing. That for sure. No, especially yeah, we'll, so. We'll do a pat with a palm. We'll do a. We'll do a pack. If if the second pressing comes about, and we hope it does, but if the second pressing comes about, we'll do like a. We'll do like a fan appreciation package. We'll do. We'll do like the hat, the pom pom hat. We'll do a, a special something special for. For the second pressing, we'll do any. I don't know exactly a patch, maybe or yeah, or like one of those sweet ass combs. You remember when you were in the sixth grade and everybody combed their hair? <laughs> yeah, I do. Like yeah, a switchblade <laughs> comb. We'll do it on the center switch. No, it's a terrible idea. <laughs> that can that can get that can get you guys in trouble if you're if you're not uh, careful with that. Yeah. Anyone sure. Jerry rigged that? Swap it out for a real blade. Get caught in the middle of a murder. Where's the evidence on the cinder? Oh shit. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, we used to make lighters ourselves by hand. We put our names on the lighters that we bought from China. That's pretty and, cool. Uh, it was cool until people started reporting that they were blowing up in their hands. <laughs> that's dangerous. That's that's yeah. That's, that's punk, but that's not uh, that's not it's cool. Not there. <laughs> that's punk, but that's not that's not cool. That's not safety. Um, so let's get into this album. So uh, vinyl is beautiful. Sound is amazing. Aggressive as hell. Where was the inspiration for some of the writing of some of these songs? Uh, here, I'm going to tell you, I love Lifeline. There's a line in it right at the end is, uh, do what it takes to get you through the worst day you've ever known. And I'm going to tell you, when that, I read that, I was like, man, that's a good uh, fucking that's song. And then that just kind of hits hard. Uh, do have a it looks yes. like, Ooh. I think Jay has to bow out for a little bit. But um, as far as lifeline goes um you know we're from buffalo and there's yeah. a lot of different crises from here a lot of friends that have had drug issues a lot of friends that have dealt with some mental health concerns and i'm also a crisis counselor uh in rochester so uh the lifeline is the national prevention lifeline and that song is all about um just some stories of friends that we lost and it's how do we put this it, it's it's about showing reverence to these friends and yeah missing them but also trying to you know suggest to people that are struggling like that that there are ways to get help there are ways to get support and um yeah that that's that was the story of Lifeline, pretty much. I, um, uh, sound, the music is, I mean, the music is good. I mean, 
you guys sound is is really tight and but some of your the lyrics and some of the other songs and the inspiration you're saying you're pulled from uh, you're all from buffalo is there anything else kind of that's directly buffalo specific on this album that is direct yeah. references um pulled through like i saw in the one music video for oh my gosh one of the uh, one of the songs where you guys were spape where it was spray painting Oh my god. Uh, like one of the walls. And I'm like, oh as an old boy. <laughs> um was there anything off this newer newer album that's like, hey, if you're from Buffalo, this is from this moment, or this is something specific that someone from Buffalo can relate to. So uh, okay. uh the the video yeah. that we released the most recently for a uh, hashtag anarchy is uh that's actually filmed mostly in uh a punk house that's still running. Uh <laughs> is, what the fuck it has a lot of different it? names. It's, 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 it's the Soup of Descent. Uh, and they, like, Trey runs it, uh, and he's he's been a huge friend, and he's a huge activist. But he's, like, he kind of took over uh, when our most recent house went under, and we kind of, we, we called it, we called it quits after that, and we sort of dedicated it more to being a studio. Because uh, we, we've been running house shows for, oh my God. The whole time. Eight years. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, real quick. I, I'm sorry. I just want to make sure something. Flower House. Are you guys off of, uh, off of Main Street? Yeah. Was that that show? Were, with, uh, were you guys at the basement? Uh, yes. It was a tiny-ass basement. Tiny-ass basement. People used to hear, hang beer cans. On the yeah. ceiling, yeah. we had the Swellers play there once. The Swellers, play um, there. I saw. I've been to that. I've been to the that house before once. <laughs> <laughs> I was there with a friend, uh, Will Salisbury. Oh, uh, guys, we know Will. You know Will? Oh shit! Wait, is that Will? Yeah, like from B side. Bastards. Yeah. <laughs> Me and Will yeah, came yeah. out and we saw Mike. I'm gonna go blank on his last name. Mike from uh, Abruptors. Before the Abruptors yeah. kicked off, he did a show there. Mike Geraci. Yes, Geraci. Maybe with uh, 737 or B-Side Bastards. 737 sounds familiar when I was there. I think it's got to be 737. Okay. That was was when Mike couldn't get all the abrupt... Or no, when he couldn't get the B-Side Bastards together, Mm -hmm. but he wanted to play a good show. Like, 737 was like the super talented bass player and the Abrupters now drummer. I always fuck up his name. I I can never remember if it's Alex or Andrew. I'm going to go blank on the name. Those guys in 737 yeah. were Alex and Andrew. And yeah, I, and that's why I fuck it up all that's, the <laughs> That's why I mix it up. Okay, so this but, is... All right, so I was going to... I wanted to ask that uh, after. I was going to ask about Flower House. So, okay, so I know exactly where, that, where you guys were from. I remember... Uh, once or twice, there. I was there. I was there then. Sweet. Yeah. Remember, they, uh, you guys had like a Mike had a table set up almost in between the living room and the dining room, I think. Something like that. He had a little C, he was selling CDs or something, I think. It was, it was like a makeshift merch table. Uh, we oh, had, yeah. yeah. We were legit. We had a real operation going. For yeah. Sure. Then, then we'd, we'd, when the show ended, we'd go upstairs and we'd go, Hey guys, get your stuff off the table. We got to play drinking games. Get out of the way. <laughs> oh, great. All right, cool. So that's a flower house. So you were talking about hashtag anarchy because I did want to ask about this music video. I love the way it's shot. I love the looking through the bottle glass and kind of seeing this. I don't know. It, it felt like kind of like seeing eyes in a punk in a punk house. That's kind of where I was getting it from. And 
it, that's where it started to kind of click on. I wonder if this is that same flower house that I'd been to. Cause I only been to like one or two punk houses. And uh, yeah, where did the idea for anarchy come out? Tattoo there. Uh, hashtag for the music video or for the song? A little bit of both. Let's hear them. Uh, I think the, this is definitely more of Jay was more the writer on that song. Oh, like okay. we all split writing responsibilities and like we all collaborate mm-hmm. like throughout all the material. Uh, the music video though was definitely um, sort of a, a, a rip off of they live, which is like this sci-fi movie from the late eighties. Starring Roddy, Roddy Piper. Yeah. Where oh, he put on these sunglasses and he saw things as they really were. Yep. I've, heard, video, I've seen the trailer for that. Okay. Yeah, and in the the video, it's kind of a it's kind of that lens of you look through, and you you see through some people's hubris, you see through their arrogance. Like everyone wants to present themselves a certain way, and you know, like you can kind of break things down and see how shallow some people's perspectives are. And it's this the video is a joke though. It's it's really being facetious it's really trying to just not it's about not taking yourself too seriously mm-hmm. i think um and the song is just from various times where you'd see like a dirty punk kid at a basement show and he like would brag about not showering for days and he'd ask for change for a beer but then he'd pull out his brand new iPhone and then he'd like send a tweet or something. And it's like, what the hell do you stand for? Like, and then hashtag anarchy is just like, oh, yeah. it, it's just well, a it, joke, really. It, it is meant to sound as ridiculous as it does when it comes out of your mouth to say hashtag anarchy. <laughs> yeah, it's, oh. it's a little it's, on the nose, but it's also kind of our sense of humor at the same time so nice no i definitely uh really enjoy it as the music video it's even if even if it was kind of more played off like on a rip on it it's still a good one and well shot and i think that's where it has this uh that's kind of where i was going with um i guess sound quality where i kind of said like it feels more authentic and down and very like local indie base like this wasn't a polished music video made by uh green day it wasn't so right. perfectly oh, shot and st- like, but no, like it wasn't up to that. It wasn't, it's not this polished MTV music video video. This is more, listen, this is down to earth. I felt like I assumed I was seeing clips from Buffalo from yeah. down on the street and within someone's house. And it, this is like, was real. It wasn't fake. And it gave someone a glimpse into, Hey, this is what it's like. Yeah, uh-huh. for sure. Uh, the producer was uh, Nick Green. And he he knew our aesthetic. He's like, you guys are like a house show band. You're like Buffalo guys, Buffalo punk rock. And he had seen our other videos. And it's like, the more people we can cram into the video, I think the better it looks. So, um, you know, we we really like videos from from bands like Every Time I Die, where they literally, one of their biggest songs is a music video shot on Custer Street, which was like three houses, three streets down from flower street mm-hmm. so um we lived on it yeah <laughs> so it's like buffalo is you know what's the 
saying blue collar knows the grind like everyone's down to earth but and that that shouldn't be seen as like a simple thing it's a it's a no. cultural thing too. no it definitely is a cultural thing and uh i think one thing that it kind of it it if you're not from buffalo and you're to see this i think this is something that anyone can relate to at least from your music videos so you guys have this this is who we are you don't show the big lavishing lifestyles of the city. You showed the undergroundness, the mm-hmm. dirtiness, the griminess that everyone can relate to. That mm-hmm. no, this is fucking punk. This is us. Yeah. I love it. Um, you know, some of the other songs that I list through, I'm gonna tell you uh, the pits. Awesome. It really. Uh, I I like the idea of being in the pit. With it, and then um. So uh. I don't know if you guys want to kind of go through. I don't know. What songs did you said that you all kind of share up and divvy up the writing process? Is there any specific songs that you guys had written on or you took great pride of this is my, this is my takeaway song from the album? How about that? I think the only note I have on the pits, um, I think it was the first song for the new record. And we, we started playing it really early on, like before the rest of the album was concepted, just because as as I mentioned earlier, we had friends that we were losing to things mm-hmm. like substance abuse, like, you know, mental health, suicide, things like that. Yeah. Um, and we we felt like this, this is a kind of song that gets people dancing, gets like a mosh pit going, but it's also like the pit in your stomach where it's like, or, or the saying it's, you're in the pits. It's like, you're in this bad place and it's, it's seen a lot of different ways, but no, um, I, I, I honestly have never heard for her to it as referred to as the pits. I never even saw the double take on it, but I got with the whole, when you see the pits or you think of the pits and even how you open it, you know, the pit, the pit feels light tonight. I can yeah. understand that. I've been to those shows at Mohawk where you're like, this is it right now. No, <laughs> I, 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 fortunately, I've, uh, I don't know. That, fortunately. Also... Oh, Oh, you guys froze up a little bit on me. Are you still seeing us? Yep, I still see you guys, but it's frozen. Sorry, we're getting a weird thing. Okay, we're here. Nope, you guys um, are good. Um, but uh, like, so like the pits, like, as as like, and I really collaborated on. Oh, it was um, rise. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So the, later on in the record is a song called Rise that. Tyler sort of wrote this poem in a way. It was like almost like a journal entry where he um, just kind of expressed all these different ideas about his trouble sleeping and how it affected the way he felt. And I sort of took his journal entry mm-hmm. and sort of shifted it, shifted it into um, sort of just a song about frustration and. I just tried to accent what he was already saying in his poem to just drive out the bigger and more important themes of it. A, a, a big theme on Lamplighter as an album is mental health. And like, for me, well, one of the things that's usually like a key off for me to be like, things are not going great is just like bouts of insomnia. So they're like, just, it is not on. I mean, I'm already a pretty like late sleeper, 
but it is not uncommon for me to be like in a if I'm in a, especially if I'm in like a bad place to be up till like five or six in the morning for days in a row, and then wake up at like noon or one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that song kind of that was something that I kind of was pushing in that is sort of the 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 things that are going on in your head because it's not it's not like every time that that happens you're just like partying your ass off. A lot of times you have work. <laughs> yeah and you gotta like you gotta get up the next day but it's five o'clock in the morning and there is just no sleep in sight and it, a lot of the the mental things that are happening while you're just trying to force yourself to go to sleep i am um, i i'm glad you said it because i i started to to pick up on that uh kind of the theme on the album is mental health and mental awareness and I didn't know that before, Mike, about you as being a, a lifeline counselor. Oop. Can you hear me? Sorry, we're, we're, we're playing with the volume here. It's all, it's all good. Um, you had uh, the, the theme for the album really kind of hitting and focusing and touching on mental awareness and the importance of it. I myself, I'm not, I'm not a counselor, but I do work for a mental health agency. So through my job, I do it's just, it's prevalent to how important that is. You know, mental health is just as important as physical health, just as important as emotional. Like this is something that's real that isn't acknowledged and isn't pushed. And it's slowly coming around to being accepted and made self-aware. And I think it's awesome that you guys as a punk band will push that. Because when I think punk, I don't think mental health. I think, you know, down with the man, aggressive kids teenagers anarchy and you know just kind of like that rebel uh youth and revolt so i really respect and i really there's a there's a greater appreciation for this album for that for that like message you guys bring through really thanks thanks anthony i i think it's self-care is very important if you want to continue to fight the man (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean it's between Mike working at like my, I have a degree in psychology and uh, substance abuse counseling. So it's like we, we, there's a lot of us kind of, we've always been sort of near it, I guess, mm-hmm. at least within the last couple of years. But it, it's this album between, be, between the incidental deaths of some of our friends and other things, we, we just put everything together to be like, we need to, like it, it felt like that album sort of had to happen to, I, to make any impact at all. I can understand that, and I, I highly respect that. It's that's inc- that's a good, that's a good reason to write an album. Thanks, Anthony. That's good. That is a that is a tr- that is a. Honestly, listen, guys, if you're listening and you don't, and for whatever reason you don't like the music, whatever cool everyone has their own taste but you can't hate the album for that like there is a there's a line of it is good that's awesome uh you just we start to we're talking a little bit about the songs and we started to mention a little bit about the writing process do you mind uh, i know tyler uh or no i'm sorry not tyler jason had to uh, leave right now for a little bit kind of what's going on what's the writing process like for the three of you guys because you said you all kind of share it is it usually just like, hey, I have lyrics, can we put music to it? Or does someone kind of, does it kind of all up in the air? Whoever writes something that you all kind of jump off of? I think we each have our own approach. Uh, and we, we definitely challenge each other 
to do different things. There will mm -hmm. be times where I will have lyrics and acoustic guitar like recordings with chords. And then there will be times where Jay will straight up write a whole song and record it in a studio with electric guitar and faux drums, just yeah, like right. a, a drum track behind it. And there, then there will be times where Tyler will be like, I got all these lyrics, but I don't play guitar and I don't sing. So just here's, here's all this stuff. And we just try to approach songs differently kind of each time. Right now we're writing this really conceptual EP. So we've really changed. <laughs> we've our, taken our... a step off the deep end to, to, well, as a band in the COVID times, yeah. there's only so much that you can do. So we decided to try to write something that bucked a lot of our usual trends and we're like, let's just be weird with it. Yeah. And, and that has, honestly, I think it's been a huge help in us just communicating better. But it's also produced some pretty interesting music. Yeah, I think so. Uh, when you guys are pulling in and kind of writing your own material, uh, where do you guys pull from inspiration from? I mean, is there any specific bands that you kind of, I don't know, I know it's, uh, it's usually like a high school thing, and I'm, I know it does carry on into adult, like into like, perf like post high school that your music sort of sounds like who you listen to. But is there any bands or any specific artist or even if you're writing lyrics that you pull from, is there a specific artist that just really just is your bread and butter of where you uh draw the energy from um i think there's this band called strike anywhere and if strike anywhere didn't exist i don't think our band would exist but um as far as songs now with writing uh i i think inspiration comes from a lot of different places and like we we get pretty specific as far as song references that mm -hmm. inspire songs now. Um, and we try to pull it from different places. We don't want to just be like this 90s skate punk sounding band. We want to sound relevant. We want to sound modern. We want to have a mix of different things in different genres. So um, we're, we're trying to pull more in as we go. Nice. You know? Nice. Uh for, for listeners out there that haven't heard you yet, which, by the way, guys, if you haven't yet, um, hit pause, go listen to them, then come back. Uh, what are some bands that you would feel that in a in a top in in a in an I don't want to say dream tour, but in a dream tour, if there is a couple bands that you guys could open for, or even co-headline or headline, like what bands? What bands would you say this is this is the, uh, this is a tour from on the cinder that this is us. And this is going to give you a great show. That's a good way to put this because when we've had, <laughs> when we've had similar conversations after a couple of wobbly pops, uh, it is, <laughs> we have written off some bands that would be totally awesome because we're like, they probably don't party. <laughs> um, man, we, we got to open for the Mighty Mighty Boston's when they played in Rochester last year. I'm and, so mad I missed that show. <laughs> oh, so it was mad. excellent. It was sold out. I, I had to like sneak friends in and I had to like beg the owner for like a couple other people to get in. Um, but that, that show with, with that band, like they were consummate professionals. They were super nice to us. They like, they were all into it, even though we're a totally different kind of band. 
their their staff helped us like their tour manager helped us put up our banner it, it was like such an awesome experience compared to opening for some other bands but no matter what like those kind of headliners that are really national and they've been doing it forever you can't really expect much from them just because they're gonna they're doing their job yeah and like it's 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 just <clears throat> awesome to get some respect and care from those kind of bands so i i think the mighty mighty boss tones would be insane a, a mighty mighty boss tones tour with us would be total uh, we would talk every night i feel like we'd be pushing them to be like Yo, you guys want to do some more of the heavy stuff? Like, that'd, be, that'd be crazy. You know, play some Scott Core, The Devil, and more. I think people will lose their mind. I don't know. Like, they would definitely do Dr. D. They but they know. didn't in Rochester. They, did. they didn't in Rochester last year. But, uh, yeah, we're still Scott geeks at heart. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you're not wrong with that. Nothing wrong, man. I, I tell everyone, you know, my, hound, my heart pounds sellout and I bleed checkered. <laughs> there you it's, go. Uh, you know, I just can't stop it, you know? Um, I also think that they kept that that tour a little bit more low key because they were with Bedouin Soundclash, so it'd be. I feel like they thought it would be weird if they played like, you know, Bedouin Soundclash was. I I think that they were their opener. I don't know if they were switching nights or not. Yeah, uh, I think they were just opening. But it, I think that they thought it would be weird if they were like, all right, well, first song out of the gate off of the like super mellow smoking weed Bedouin Soundclash set is dr d and, and then you watch someone like punch a 16 year old kid in the face and you're like, yeah yeah that sounds like a boston show um so you mentioned the boston's you guys have uh played some other bands what are some other uh what are some of the more of the memorable uh, shows you guys had done i don't know if it whether it be opening acts or whether it be like headliner like uh bands that toured with or even just like specific uh shows or venues that you remember playing like i know the rage was infinity was our club infinity was awesome and it was like that one set that one show where the floor caved and everyone remembers that is there a specific show that you <laughs> oh, guys no, were like oh i remember right. this and that, i that, that wasn't infinity that was the waiting room that was the streetlight show where the floor caved in yeah was that, the waiting room? that was my bad then yeah but i mean but like that what uh, is there any shows that stick out to you guys that you remember that was a killer night that for for whatever reason if there were any mistakes or any mess ups, no one picked them up. I have a, I have a cute little story. Um, All right. Uh, well, I was living in Buffalo with, with these guys. Uh, my wife, well, now wife, my girlfriend then was working and living in New York City. And we were opening for the Mad Caddies. And this was, I don't know, what, 2016, 2017? Look at the poster. 20, 2015, maybe. Um, she was coming in to visit that that weekend and uh we played our set i ran to the airport to go pick her up brought her back to the show we made it just in time for drinking for 11 and we <laughs> snuck in the back and that was that was a special moment like i i think the audience liked it but liked our stuff but um you know we we played a lot of ska shows yeah well actually one of my favorites uh the show was really good. We so we've played with Authority Zero like five times. Something like that. Yeah. And uh they're like they always seem to have some sort of crazy story attached to the show. There was the one time that one of our friends was hammered and he kept trying to drag 
a high top table into the mosh pit, <laughs> and they let him do it three times before they kicked him out. Oh god! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice. But the the last time that we played with them, like we played, their drummer was the drummer from Pulley, and uh, we were, like everyone was loading their stuff up afterwards, and uh, me and me and him got talking. And then eventually we were just hanging out with Authority Zero, drinking beers out of their cooler and their trailer. And we, we talked about their van, and they said that their van had 400,000 miles on it. And oh I said, gosh. wow, that's insane. And he goes, well, you know, the body does. <laughs> and he's like, we've replaced the transmission, we've replaced the engine, some like... The frame has 400,000 miles. <laughs> now, I, I think you said the, the van uh, brings in a great question. So you guys have toured. When you guys tour, it's, I mean, just being the three of you, is it just a car loaded up with some gear or do you guys have a trailer? You, how does how that work? Because I've heard stories with bands, they all cram together and it's like, this sucks, but it's what we have to do. It's all the, all the ska bands you have on your show, yeah. probably. <laughs> uh, we, Majority. We, we um... Let's see. We started in a Subaru. Yes, the Subaru Forester. And then Outback. We, I never remember which one. I think it was. One. I think it's the Outback. I think uh, yeah. And then uh, we got our own van for like eight hundred bucks or something. It was. Yeah, the and then that one didn't work. What was it called? Vanny Devito. Vanny Devito was <laughs> the first van that actually got on the road. Right. The green van died in the driveway. Oh shit! Yeah, that was a waste of money. Um, Oops. <laughs> Van, Vanny DeVito was our red van for like two years, and then that broke down. So we bought a miniature school bus. Gus uh, Gus the bus bus. Gus Gus the bus bus, and that had a lot of wear and tear on it, just from being a bus. Crippling like, mechanical issues. Yeah, it was just <laughs> on totally, the west coast. <laughs> totally rusted out, and then. Uh, two years ago, we just decided we're going to be a band for a long time. So we invested in a, um, it's a Ford, what is it? 350? 3,500. 3,500. So it's, uh, it's a 12 passenger and we just w rip out the back two seats usually. And, um, uh, we, we, so part, part of the touring band thing yeah. is always learning how to tetris your gear if you don't roll with a trailer mm -hmm. and we mm -hmm. will not do the trailer i can I understand that, that. We all, i think that we all are pretty like averse to it it's just so much it kills your gas mileage it's a it's just a pain in the ass to park anywhere god forbid you go a place somewhere like the city like new york city yeah you gotta like, pay the extra toll too. You got yeah, extra tolls, extra axles. It's all bullshit. Just throw it in the back of the van. We'd mm -hmm. we'd probably do a trailer if we were still a ska band, just to stuff all the horn players back there. Yeah, you know, just, <laughs> just all Suck all five of them. It's like yeah, you know, the in there. it's always sunny. They'll like a fire. They'll they got a they got a barbecue. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when you guys are touring, so I, I kind of want I wanted to ask is uh, what does your guys' gear line up? So you're a drummer. Are you playing? Is it, how big is the P set? Is it uh, smaller? Uh, so I, 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 uh, I, I play a pretty standard setup. It's a one up, one down, bass drum, snare drum, five cymbals. Uh, it, I mean, it's a Mapex Armory, and I love it. Nice. But other than that, like, <clears throat> it's not. I, I, it's not like I condense my kit at all. 
if I'm goofing around at home, I've got extra toms and extra cymbals and I've like just a bunch of garbage that I can put together if I want to be like in a metal band for a as, second. As all musicians do, you know. <laughs> and it's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna set up the the extra splash in China and just play some, I don't know, Deaf Heaven. Cool. <laughs> um, I know. Uh, is it? uh jason's not here but i mean for you and him mike what is it like for you guys you guys just roll with just amp just amp case and then just pedal board something simple or you guys we're we're very bare bones we're uh we have an eight by ten or wait eight by twelve i don't remember eight by ten ampeg uh base cab i had an ampeg seven pro and it's crapped bed so that's the only thing that the pandemic has been good for. I have time to fix my gear. Nice. Uh, then Jay uses a Marshall cabinet and well, he, he was also playing. He was playing the Mesa last tour though. Yeah. So it, it's still a four by 12 either way. It takes up room. So we got, <clears throat> our gear is decent size for, you know, being three dudes, but you guys have the oomph. Our Tetris yeah. is really good. <laughs> Especially when we're playing basements, like, where we blow the roof off like well if we want to do not in a good way either <laughs> if we oh, wanted yeah. to get the cops called at any time we probably could have you guys ever had the cops called on you guys for a show at flower we did at no Ripley. it wasn't a show oh it was the after party it was actually an authority zero after party <laughs> <laughs> um uh, at ripley we had the cops called a lot that was our second house any cops on tour cops on tour uh, we got the cops called on tour in Pittsburgh when we were trying to play outside of the tattoo oh, parlor. Yeah. Then we moved it inside the tattoo parlor. It was fine. Um, uh, I don't know. That that's just a, a caution you run. You know? That's just that. That's just any time. Um, that's a part of it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, you guys were talking about uh, being on out of Flower House. I did want to get into this and ask, and, and you had talked about how you guys had kind of more or less formed flower house records to put out your album that's from what i was gathering uh, what is that like i mean in buffalo you guys are a record is is it considered of like a full is it a record company label what is the technical name is there i i guess it's considered a record label and we just do our own distribution um we don't have other bands on yet um so much of our efforts with Flower House Records has just been selling our own records and, you know, getting getting them out as much as we can. Like, doing the label, it's, it's a mix of trying to push vinyl as best we can, but also trying to push the digital stuff, like mm -hmm. making sure we're on Spotify, making sure we're on iTunes, uh, making sure we have music videos in the works, making sure our social media is up to date. It's like it's, it's whole, really it's all you guys in-house running it it sounds yeah it, it's stuff all bands do we just yeah. were like jay has flower house studios and we have flower house records now and it's it's really all encompassing um at some point we will probably put out another band's material and do the distribution and all that for them it's just now is just a really hard time yeah. for trying to sell records trying to push music you can push music because there's, you know, the internet. You can do Spotify. We're starting to get better at pushing, 
pushing Spotify stuff, getting into the algorithms, knowing how to get your music out there more. Um, it, it's just with our album having been out a year now, it's sort of like, you know, through this pandemic, we just got to keep finding ways to reintroduce it to people and keep it fresh and also have something new to put out shortly. Um, Cause next year, 2021, Every band you've ever heard of is going to put out a CD, put it on vinyl record, going to go on tour. <laughs> like 2021 is going to be a huge year in music. And you just got to find your way to stand out from all the saturation, I guess. Yeah. Um, I have two questions that great one I want to ask is uh, you're talking about trying to find a new way to kind of keep it fresh and keep it new. Have you, you had, mentioned the beginning about how guys initially attempted to try and do something acoustic before on this and it was never just started have you thought about trying to put out an acoustic ep is um, it is anything any talks like that in the works i've i've been doing this little series called the acoustic uh i've just been doing these mashups of songs from friends bands from around the country and it, it's been a fun way to like play other people's music just have fun. Um, but us doing acoustic is not really something that I, I think our band needs, really. I think that's... It can work. It It's not like it sounds bad. I don't know if we'd ever put anything into, like, pressing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I mean... Acoustic isn't necessary. It's just one of those. I, I see a lot of bands, especially during the pandemic when they're all at home. It's what they're doing now. It's easier to just grab an acoustic and play than get everyone together. Yeah, yeah. It's. Um, I love playing acoustic guitar. I think it's. I, I find it a lot easier and more comfortable than playing an electric guitar. But I'm also the bass player in this. Yes. Um, but writing songs on acoustic is so comfortable for me and it, it's it's more like i see acoustic as being something to be have fun with and it's part of the writing process but not really something i think our project needs there's tons of bands doing acoustic stuff they should enjoy it they should have it and we'll just focus on the heavy stuff and check it you can check out the acoustic videos they're they're me trying my best but it's not that good still. <laughs> all right. All right. Some divers, Mullen. I check out those acoustic videos. Um, second one I want to follow up. I know J- Jason, it's a, I'm hope I, I probably, he could would answer it better, but I'm going to give, throw it out to you guys. So flower house studios, when did that come out? Was that, uh, did that come out of the birth of, uh, for the record? Was that kind of a impromptu? Like, well, we also have to have a studios or was that something on the work that, you guys have had before so flower house studios was something that has it's always sort of existed mm-hmm. but it never really had a name uh so jason does work uh like his his one one of his secondary gigs is that he's just a recording well he's just a studio like he he does a ton of local hip-hop he does a lot of local punk bands uh like he's got all it started off with just us and he literally in the beginning of this band uh when we were getting ready to re- try to record the first semblance of music that we had ever put out uh he basically said 
it's more cost effective for us to get the equipment, like to get some equipment, learn how to use the software and then just get better at it over time than it is to just blow thousands and thousands of dollars every single time that we want to try to record something. Mm-hmm. So he just started picking it up and it's got in just incrementally better every single time. Mm-hmm. That's like pretty the, crazy. Pretty cool. It's, it's awesome and fun to hear that because, you know, coming from a podcast network where, you know, a lot of us all started it off in our, you know, in our rooms or at, uh, know just at someone else's kitchen with a table with a laptop and a microphone to you know we have some friends that they have a studio out on t where they're recording we have our own little office space uh me and my friend on our other show for our network we have our little studio so to see a band you guys go you know what we should just do it ourselves and to have it blossoming a pun not intended into flower (laughs) flower house studios like that's well done well done yeah i mean i can't i can't write that (laughs) um but like, I think it's awesome and it's really inspiring to show that, hey, all these other local bands, I mean, if you're looking for a place to record, I mean, if you don't have the equipment, you don't have the means, I mean, by myself, I would try to go as local as possible before I just jumped up to uh, the, the number one studio or the nice, the top most professional. Like, I would want to find out who in Buffalo is like me, who is trying to, you know, grind it. And that's what you guys are doing. And it's a big thing, too, to have, like, especially through alternative music, mm-hmm. it's nice to have somebody, you know, behind the board that is more in tune. with. They didn't just produce some, like, 55-year-old guy's blues record. Like, they just <laughs> did They just did a deathcore band. And yeah. now, that, now you come in and you have something a little bit lighter. Like, you come in as a pop-punk band. Or Jay's recorded a ska band and our friend Toy Box Brigade. Uh, like he's done a ska band, he's done. I don't, I don't know if he's done no toy box brigade, they are awesome. Yeah, he like kids. He, he's thrown down really, really good records for everything from like thrash from bastard, bastard, bastard to toy box brigade to uh independent, like acoustic solo singer songwriter stuff. Mm-hmm. He, he can do it all, and it's really all just the same handful of mics and knowing how to work the equipment. Yeah. It's all it takes. It's all it takes. Anthony, what what you're describing, like you have this collection of people that also do podcasts and do videos. It's it's the same thing as being yeah. in a band. It's the same thing as having a small business. It's Someone I don't know if you can hear the. Oh, the I can siren. hear it. <laughs> That's how they get their rent so cheap here. Uh, um. <laughs> but um, so it's everything now is about doing the work yourself and the sooner you realize it the better like Mm -hmm. if you were to be a band that's waiting for a label to pick you up and release your stuff you're gonna be waiting forever like it's it's more important to put stuff out for people to listen to for people to understand what you're doing than it is to wait for the right opportunity you have to create your own opportunities whether it's podcast whether you're a band whether you're an artist whether you're looking for a job just yeah. just do yeah do what's I, right by you i think i think you've that summed up perfectly especially for uh i i can connect on a on a different level with other than just oh hey i like your music and i i like what you guys are doing it's more of like no i get this and i understand that i mean i, I understand all and i think 
I can relate to most of the 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 grind the bands that are grinding. It's it's constantly. It isn't. It's it's never done the job. But when you're trying to build up something as far as putting it out as a business and you're trying to step it up there, there's uh, an understanding and appreciation that like no, I get it. Me and my friends, we've been doing the same thing, and I hope you guys continue to thrive and freaking like I said, blossom and grow and, and explode out of this Buffalo area because the Buffalo needs their music scene back. And you know, I, I, I really can't wait for COVID to be done to be able to see you guys live. I, I'm super excited. I'm super mad. I, I don't have any, I can't recall memories of seeing you guys specifically. I'm sure I've heard you guys at a show before. Yeah. Uh, if you were I'm at sure Firehouse, we were probably playing that night. Like. <laughs> oh, probably. <laughs> but uh, thank you so much, Mike and Tyler guys. Um, Jason, off camera right now. Thank you guys so much for be, taking the time to be able to call in for this awesome interview. And I'm really cool and really happy I was able to get some you know, Buffalo guys in on this and to show this. You know, this is a city that Buffalo loves itself. We love our artists. We love our community. And listen, if you're listening in and you love some Buffalo music, check out On the Cinder. Uh, you will not be disappointed un unless you explicitly do not like punk thrash, metalcore, Etc. I mean, if you like country and hip hop, you probably aren't a fan of that music, but fuck it. Go check them out still. Um, guys, thank you so much. Um, let them know where, where's, uh, where can they hit you up? Where can they head, uh, head on over? I know we have a, uh, there's a band camp yep. set up uh, as well on, as a website. Mm -hmm. uh, on the cinder dot band camp uh, on Facebook. Uh, Instagram is like kind of where we're shifting everything just because it's kind of still growing, whereas Facebook just wants to keep putting people down. Um, we have our store envy, it's Flower House uh, Records at Store Envy. We also have our Bandcamp store if you're interested in the record. Um, but yeah, also just Mike and Tyler and Jason, we're on Facebook. Like, you know, we're just guys and like, you know. If you ever want us to play your basement or your backyard with masks, of course, um, <laughs> hit us up. But yeah, uh, uh, Anthony, thank you so much for having us on. This has been a lot of fun. It's definitely been a lot of fun. Thank you guys so much. Uh, and Divers Mullenites, once again, guys, please head on over, check the band out, check out, show the support. Listen, uh, before we go, I, we didn't even get to talk about this awesome insert within the vinyl. This is beautiful, guys. Uh, it's a bunch of the lyrics cut between photos from live shows, and it just looks like overall goodness. Times at the beach and everything. And, I mean, it's, this was so cool to kind of check this out. I was expecting, like, a little pamphlet of, like, oh, this is lyrics. And I was like, oh, no, this looks awesome. Like, this is the shit. I love this. And on top of it, album art is beautiful. So please head on over, pick up the vinyl, help them out, and uh, share your support and love. Till then, guys, keep diving. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you, man.